This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Paul. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding people who are amazingly powerful and you still get it over on them. This week we are talking Fringeworthy once again and we are talking about running out there in your exploration vehicle and pulling onto a fringe platform and it's already being explored by somebody else. And we're not just talking about one of these random things where, John, you had the hoochie, right? Wasn't that how you pronounced it? Hoochie. Which was a, a, a steam lorry sitting out in the middle of nowhere and they met them and followed them back to their home world. Okay, We're talking about where you go and find out that just like IDET is busy claiming its spot on the fringe path, somebody else is doing the same thing. So when that happens, when you run into people who are not only fringe aware, but are completely dedicated to the idea of exploiting their platforms and the surrounding nodes, how does IDET react? How does Alien Core react? The other thing is you may have teams out there for explo- ex- exploitation, not just of people, but of resources. They may actually view that world with all these people. Not worth it, because we can't take the slaves back with us. But they have all this stuff they can get for us that we want. You know, and that could be things like, oh, that, oh, that, uh, ore, you know, titanium and rare earths that require nasty processes to extract. We don't care. We're not bringing back the ore. We're bringing back, uh, purified materials. We can, that world can just get so completely polluted at that point. You know, so you have things like that happening. You're on the world. You've spent some time with the other team. The dirty secret comes out and you decide that you just can't be friends. We, we're not going to be able to work together, okay? So now what do you do? Do you do a little scorched earth? Want to make sure that they don't go home with the information they, they've learned from you? Or do you just try to slip away into the night and hope things work out in the long run? I'm taking people back. You're taking hostages? If they are that hostile and they are a competing fringe empire, the best intelligence I can bring home is those people. They may not be hostile in that sense. They could be cannibals. Yeah, that's not hostile at all. (laughs) (laughs) They're not imperialistic in that regard. They're only hostile if you're walking away with barbecue sauce on you. That's right. (laughs) The classic way to get intelligence is to do a snatch. You cross over to enemy territory, you grab somebody valuable, and you bring them back to have a talk with them. Oh, yeah. You're going to grab somebody and try to sneak, uh, basically take it, take it on the lamb. Just, just beat feet out of there with your hostages and, and hope they can't catch you. Is that what your plan is? I'm going to chloroform their team leader and run. That's a good plan. I like that plan. Well, and hope that the team leader is when it carries the crystal, crystal key, carries crystal key. So when you run, you go out and you go lock and lock the portal behind you. And you know where I go? You know where I go with this cat? I don't go back to IDET. I go to our allies at Bureau 13, and I have them mind rape. <laughs> wow. Well, you missed that word. <laughs> Let's be honest, okay? You take him back to IDET, and, you, and you're going to, uh, here, here's air quotes, question him. You know, you know what that means. That means you're going to torture him for information, right? I'm going to turn him over to, yeah, to Mixie for some questioning. i'm saying it's it's much more humane to take him somewhere and let a psychic do their work yeah you just dig in there and take it 
You could have a Blizzness just sit there and use his calming field. I don't know if that's going to work, because he's going to be calm, so he's not going to be like, eh, I don't need to tell you anything. And so will you, but yeah. Right. No, no, no. I'm taking him to the psychics, or or I like Paul's suggestion. If, if Bureau 13's not talking to us at the time, yeah, take him to Demixie and see what they find out. The best information I could bring home would be their team and all their equipment, those artifacts. I'm going to have them, their languages, their experience, what they're going to talk about. I'm going to have samples of their equipment. I'm going to have their logbooks detailing what they were looking for. I'm going to have their scientific equipment, how they were obtaining that that knowledge. I'm going to have their standard operating procedures. I'm going to have their radio equipment. I'm going to have their maybe even examples of their culture and their religions. So the best thing I could bring back to Earth Prime or I can bring back to the Earth Prime Commonwealth would be that entire competing team, whether they want to or not. Like we're saying, that's that's an extreme. I mean, when you have committed to that, you are possibly committing to war with those people. Right. But this is the fringe path and people disappear all the time. Well, that's true. (laughs) That is true. You wake up in the morning and they just did that to you. And you're left alone on this world with half your team gone. And and most of your equipment disappeared. Now what do you do? And your team leader with the crystal key. You, you go home. And do what? What's what's the reaction to this? First thing is you got to report. you got to say immediately, this is what we encountered. This is who we encountered. This is who we talked to. This is the events that transpired. you got to write that down in two or three copies. And you distribute them. One to Earth Prime. One to Victorian Prime. And one to the... The nexus of all good things, Mongols, the Pax Romana, and... I understand that you're going to go back to, like, one of those equipment dumps that we talked about. No, 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 no. Going all the way home. Paul, it helps you get home a lot faster if you go to an equipment dump and get a vehicle and then go home. No, I'm saying I'm sending the message all the way home. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying you have to go someplace and get gear. That's all. You need bicycles. You get the the bicycles you stored on that one pocket stop. One of the things I think we're overlooking a lot on this is we're talking mid to late campaign. So we have made contact with other worlds that have all kinds of capabilities. And I don't think we're bringing into bear all the capabilities we have. We have magic at our disposal at this point. We have psionics at disposal. You know, Bruce, and we're talking about slipping into their world. You know, we didn't even take into account that maybe they have magic on, on that node or another node, uh, or maybe their home node. And we slip in using a ring of invisibility. You have the team psionic. Right. Psionics work everywhere. So what if you have a, uh, you know, Bureau 13? I mean, Bureau 13 is a good one to go to because anything's possible there. You have a Bureau 13 agent who's a a fantastic psionic and makes himself psionically invisible. He just tells everyone they don't see him. Just remember they can do that to you too. Of course. No, no. Of course they can. Absolutely. There's a lot of things to bring to bear. There's a lot of options that, that could happen. One French-worthy campaign, I played a Jedi. Because why not? I think that's fine. And, of course, if you can go there and you've got psionics and you can do a brain scan on somebody to see whether or not they're inimical to you, then that's great. This may be their standard operating procedure, just like you kind of talked about that. And they may not actually be seeing it as a personal thing at all and therefore be very neutral in, in regards to how they're treating you when they do this. So you guys head all the way back. Let's say it happens. Paul says we immediately head on back. We don't try to follow them and rescue our team members. No, 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 no. I said we send the message all the way back. I mean one member, or I say one member heads to the first depot and passes the message. Okay. The message has to to go all the way home to Earth Prime, whatever's central headquarters. Okay. So that wastes no time. It doesn't play the telephone game. Remember the telephone game when you were in kindergarten, little shit, kids? That's what writing's all about, Paul. You say that, but real world, that stuff gets garbled. Trust me, from personal experience, doing radio relay and other stuff, that still gets garbled badly. Why am I reminded of the scene in Johnny Dangerously where the, the rumor gets whispered all throughout the prison, and by the time it gets to Michael Keaton, it gets totally distorted Yet he gets he he repeats the original message. What so and so is going to get murdered at the Savoy? How'd you figure that out? <laughs> you love that movie? Oh my God, I love you so much. Right oh now. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> my father did that to me once. Yeah. I mean, once. It's it's a good use for that NPC. You know, NPC Joe. You can send back with a message. 
Yeah, but no, I, I wanted to be clear. The message itself, uncontaminated, has to be delivered, written form from the team leader and the team leader's first person account all the way back. It doesn't specifically mean that the team and the team leader is going all the way back to Earth Prime, but their first hand account. I mean, how long is it going to take him to compose this message? You know, it can be, you know, three lines on a note card. I, I'm just asking. I don't know. If they're kidnapping people, who who is the best person to kidnap in the team? The team leader. So he's probably not the one not there right now. Well, then it's the second in command. Got to remember, mid to late campaign, right? Maybe you don't write it down. Maybe you send it back on a memory crystal. The least information you send is a salute report. And let, it, let somebody else send a specialist back. All right, so this happens. You send somebody back to Earth Prime with a message of substance, okay? What do the rest of you guys do? Follow. The least you can do is follow and track where they're going. You may not have the materials. You may not have the personnel. You may not have the experience or expertise to affect your own rescue, but at least you can guide the rescuers to the rescue spot. You can do this. You can be the informer that leads the Sante raid. Okay. You leave the little breadcrumbs and we've been here and they and go this way. I'm sure by middle campaign that IDET has formed a crew of just warriors that does nothing but does hostage negotiation and hostage rescue. Oh, I don't know. I've, no one has ever suggested that before, Paul. So I, I'm, I'm all ears to hear about it. You don't have something like the, the, like the Federal Bureau of Investigation's hostage rescue team where somebody goes in and they have a set of negotiators that says, please send out the Tazeel. Please send it to Zeal. You can't keep the Zeal. It's going to be bad. You have to release the Zeal, or we're sending in these guys in green suits. We've talked before about having strike teams for the job of doing, you know, rescuing, but we never talked about having hostage negotiation teams that are militarily oriented. You already have the military teams. You've got teams of IDET that are the the Frenchworthy D20 class, the security officer. You've already probably already got military teams that are set up at these various bases along the way. And I mean, when they're not out and about on the fringe paths, they're at these home bases on various nodes training. And when they get a message back saying, okay, one of our patrols is out 10 nodes away from Earth Prime, and they've just run into this power center, okay. We have a negotiator. Send that negotiator with this squadron. Get that guy back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying a, a military team. I'm saying something like a SWAT team, the FBI's hostage uh, rescue team. Okay, paramilitary. Okay. That- yeah, somebody who who's, who leads off with negotiation but has the capability to blow in a wall and send in men with guns. We're, we're going to say, look, what do you want? Hey, $2 million in a helicopter to get away with? Sure, why not? Give us back the, the doctor. Give us back the team leader. Give us back the orange crystal. We really need it to power such and such a device. Please do so, because I have these other guys. I have 12 to zeal over here who are itching to use their knives. They've been sharpening them all day, and they said they can't put them back in the sheath unless they use them. Blood, 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 blood. <laughs> Please work with me on this one. I brought cake. Cake, cake or death, alive. yeah. You use the Eddie Izzard <laughs> strategy. Yeah. So I, I expect that there's hostage rescue teams, but they, I expect that the French path being what the French path is, they're going to start with negotiation because you have an inherent manpower shortage. Yeah. So you're going to lead off with, not the carrot on the stick, but the big piece of delicious cake. Please take the cake. The cake is a lie. <laughs> yes, it is. However, I, I think that you're really going to have people trying to lead off with, okay, hey, you know what? We really want this team back. They're great guys. We've been working for them a long time. I have in this vial the cure for cancer and this other vial the cure for death. How would you like to live a long time? Yeah. <laughs> I could give you one or the other, but I'm not authorized to give you both. Oh, at that point, he shoots you in the head and takes, and takes them from you. Yeah, they're both pond water. <laughs> my personality is different from my attitude my personality depends on me my attitude depends on you <laughs> I have two things I can give you I can give you what you want or I can give you a nuclear device let's go with option A I guess what I'm saying is 
that you're going to send back the message. You have to let people back at the world headquarters, the whole Commonwealth, what's happening? You're the B team. I expect it's the B team out there on the far end of the fringe. And it's the A team that comes along and rescues you when you've made a bad mistake. I pity the fool. Exactly. So you're going to have the hostage rescue team. You're going to have better negotiators. You're going to have people who, when they promise things, they can actually deliver those things. All right. So you're going to wait on all that? Now, if I'm the team that's 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 had half my team chloroformed and the truck stolen, I'm still going to follow the other worlds, that hostile element. I'm going to follow them okay. as best I can. I'm going to just stick reconnaissance and try to, to locate where they're going. How many nodes did they go? How many alts did they transit? Did they stop at a prime? And whatnot. But I have to let the, the rescuers know where they went and how many they're involved. I think that your term, do the best you can, I think that needs to be fleshed out a little bit. I think that by the time they get out to here with some of the interactions they've had with people in the past, I think there's going to be some standard operating procedures for this kind of thing. I would recommend that, first of all, you would fall back to the nearest, you know, like you're saying, send the guy back with a message. Well, everybody goes back, not all the way back, but it goes to the nearest decent equipment dump. And in that equipment dump, you've got to set up for a complete change of identity. If you were just an IDET team going around with your, you know, dark blue you know, and the patch on the shoulder, dungarees and, and the armored uh, personnel carrier, okay, you've got something that looks like a gypsy caravan in that supply dump. And you go and trick yourself out as fringe merchants at this point, and you act as if you're not anybody having to do with anybody with IDET. And that's when you start going out and trying to track your team. You can't just go and say, well, I'm just going to follow them as best I can. You need to actually have a plan. You need to have uh, some roles, uh, some ways of making people be willing to treat you differently than the people they may have been warned not to be nice to if they show up. You are intimating that we are splitting the party then. Or the player characters who were chloroformed and kidnapped and the other ones who weren't. This is true. So Paul, let's put the shoe in your foot. You got chloroformed and now you're in the back truck, back of a truck. What are you doing? My first order of business is to do my best to escape. The best time to escape is during transit. Yeah. They got you nylon tied feet and hands but your hands are in front of you because they're nice they're not they're not mean people and put in and hogtied you so you can at least get at things and do things with your hands oh gentle captors that's where you use your that's where you use your escape bond skill <laughs> well if they're not on ties you can chew through them you might lose a tooth in the process but you can probably chew through them <laughs> My issue with the party going back and looking for supplies and get a cover identity is you've lost contact. You don't know where your ca where the captors went with the other half of your team. Did they go to another node? Did they go from the alt to the system platform to the star platform and from the star to another star? You don't know where they went. You've got to maintain that contact, and that contact has got to drop breadcrumbs. If they went and grabbed some team members, I think they're taking them back to their home base. They're not taking them along when they're going to another world that they're going to explore. Where's their home base? Their home base is not necessarily another node. They may be a small action team. Their home base may be on a, off of a system platform. That's where they're operating from. If we're playing Savage Worlds, maybe you let them take, them back to your, take you back to their base. Because then you get to break free and go home and tell everybody where their base is. Dun, 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 dun. It, it depends on how cinematic your game is. I mean, you know, if you have a very cinematic game, maybe the idea is let them take you back to their home base because you're going to escape. That's kind of metagaming there, Peter. We're going to metagame. Bruce, I was just getting ready to say that. All right, let's metagame. Let's say you and your group are playing, and let's say there's like three or four of you. For whatever reason... Two of you aren't going to make it for the next two weeks. So you know that it's just you and the game master on your own for the next two weeks. At the end of the session where everybody's together, all four of you are together, the, the game master has you captured. Well, you know the next two sessions are all you. This may be an opportunity for you to dun -dun, dun -dun -dun -dun, you know, <laughs> go in, be captured, find their home base, do your thing. Indiana Jones your way out of there and go back to the home base and tell them about it. There is some merit to that kind of gaming. It's fun. 
maybe that's the direction. Or maybe you're a slick talker like, you know, like like Face Man and you know they're going to bring you back and and you're going to make them love you. Or you're like Red Chief and they'll be coming back to Ida going, "Here, have him back." Yeah, please please take him. You're you're like yeah. the slarg of your people. Please take him back. Oh wow, the sloth <laughs> from uh Ice Age. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh God, it's a Farscape episode where Rigel was going to be ransom. Yeah, who wants an obnoxious windbag like that? That's true. I'm unloved, I'm wanted, unneeded. <laughs> Kick some unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> if this happens, what are you going to assume? Are you going to assume that they've taken him back? far away and that it's not a good idea to just try to check nearby portals and if you look in their gear indicates that they traveled some distance if they were on another world on this platform i kind of think that while you were talking to them they might have been going back and forth what if they know about the french train how far could they have come if they know about the french train they're using the french train you might as well forget it yeah yeah They'll just go find Schmert and say, Schmert, help. That's what I mean, is trying to stick to them. We followed them down the fringe path. We kept them within five kilometers of view at all times. When they transitioned on the alt platform, we raced up to the alt platform, and then we sent scouts down to the next alt. I don't know why you think you could do that. You do the best you can. There's nobody expecting you to be successful. They may have at best a half a day on you. They may have chloroformed everybody. Just make sure there's no interruptions. Let's say you're on the alt. You know they're not going back the direction you came from. That's about the only direction you don't have. If they go north to the system platform or the star platform, and you're going down the, the alternate, I mean... It's a really good possibility that you're going to lose track of them unless you just basically start gathering information from various worlds that are open and say, hey, have you run into these people before? And they say, yeah, yeah, they came by. And through a process of elimination, try to figure out how these people have grown out from their primary power center. And that gives you a destination. That's how I see it. But, Paul, you think you can keep up with them. Help me envision this. Let's say this is not just, you know, a, an equal power center. Let's say these guys got, as far as the fringe paths go, home court advantage. Uh, Bruce, what was that one little thing that if you put the crystal key in the center of the all platform, oh. what can happen? You get a whole nother set of portals that go to a whole nother set of fringe paths. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. we've been operating here on the predication that we're all sort of on even keel here. Yeah, you know, like the Coptics, they have Korean war level tech, and they're out at least 15 nodes from their home. If you're dealing with a higher tech, and I'm not talking just their world is higher tech, but they know about the fringe paths better than IDED does, even in the late campaign. They're not even going to know about. They could check all eight worlds on the alt platform and just go, they're not on any of them. Where did they go? You're going to have to deal with that aspect. Right. But that's no fun. I mean, it might be fun to, be, to know that there's another set and you go up there and you say, oh, here's, here's more. Okay, here's the path we need to take. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you wanted yeah. to introduce that concept, yeah, they, what did we say the spot check would have to be to find that depression? It was like ungodly ridiculous. Well, yeah, the point is is that the GM introduces it when he wants to. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. But I'm yeah. saying, let's say you bring that in. And even then, just where you can flip the pathway and you can be underneath it. There's a lot of things as far as taking these people, running back to get stuff isn't an option. I mean, you may end up having to go on the run right away just to go after them. We have two different points of view. There's Paul's view that you should go after them immediately. The GM's bought into that, that he'd start finding breadcrumbs, candy wrappers, beer cans that they tossed out of the vehicles as they go driving along. And not go after them, follow them, keep close and keep them under observation. You don't have the means to affect your own rescue. But you've got to be able to lead the rescuers to where the hostages are. Yeah, you're leaving the breadcrumbs. You are leaving the breadcrumbs. So what kind of breadcrumbs would you leave, Paul? I'm going to take sticky notes and, and rubber cement. They transited this portal. They continued across this portal and exited to the next alt to the next to the next 
for the next node, and I'm going to rub rubber cement on the bottom of it, and I'm slapping it to the right to the deck of the of the platform, and I'm going to continue following. I'm going to take Kansas spray paint and put a bright red or a bright orange arrow and say, please follow me, Team 1A, and keep going. Easiest way to leave a trail is to put a loop around the pylon and tie a bag on the end, with a, you know, which has something inside of it brightly colored. A Velcro band with a, with a pouch on it wraps around Velcro's in place and it's bright reflector, you know, bright orange. Can't miss it. You can get zip ties in all different sizes, right? Why not? Why not big orange zip ties that are made to zip around pylons? Nice and easy, zip it on. You don't even a bag. I mean, Bruce, yeah, you, you could use that as a bag. But if you're talking about an IDET team, middle of late campaign, there are materials that are super terror resistant. So you could have tags made of that material. You could zip tie these tags to the pylon. So it wouldn't even be a bag. It'd be a a tag with an <laughs> the ultra sci-fi idea. I'm going to leave a cage with a minor bird that says, "Hey, portal number three. Hey, portal number three. <laughs> oh God, it's biotech. Wait, wait, wait. What if you come across a Tremelon tech? I mean, we we barely touch on Tremelon tech. What if there's a, what if the Tremelons thought of this and they actually have like um th their version of magnets, you know, for for leaving notes and stuff, um. Maybe they have, like, something that sticks to the platform that is, like, the only thing that'll stick to it. Tiny little black hole inside, inside a little a little magnet. Chink. Wow. It's the Tremelon Internet. No, um, uh, look, okay, let's, John, you'd have to go off the deep end with that. It's not a magnet. It works off some other technology, but it's, it's made to stick to the fringe path. So you would, you'd stick it down, and maybe it's, um, you know, you, you could leave a, a voice message on it or, or a video on it or something like that. It's something that's molecularly bonded. It seeks out certain molecules and sticks to them. Yeah, but when you touch it, when you touch it with your hand, you can peel it off. But nothing else will peel it off. Look, we're hunting for ideas for Tremelon technology. This is a good one. I like this one. This is cool. It could be a little metal, a little blob. Hey, hey if you just find uh, Tremelon metal... You get in blob format, splack it down, and take a note underneath it. And there you go. Let and let and let harden. I have the question: Termelon Tech, the platform, is it like memory metal, and it reshapes itself when you give it a new command? Reshapes itself to its its current shape. But if you give it a new command, does it reshape itself? So if I say Command One A, Two B, Three C. And that means a chair and tables. Is it going to reform those when command 1118A means just flat platform? There has been some discussion in the past where you would come on to a set of platforms and the platforms would be troughs filled with water and you would actually be aquatic at this point. And it would be still be a platform, except it would be you know, curved. You know, and, and it would be like a pool, and, it, and the ramp would go would be a sluice, and it would go up, and you go through the portal and down, on, and the roadway on the other side would also be shaped, you know, like a sluice filled with water, and there'd be a whole set of nodes that were like this. It seems like the platforms are something like memory metal. You give it a different set of commands, and it reshapes itself to your specifications as long as you know how to program it correctly that's the kicker what level of skill and what level of access do you need in order to do that that's where your gm decides minimum commonwealth at least minimum commonwealth it happens at the speed of plot it's where you want your story to be think of it after the fall you have a couple of nodes and they just happen to be aquatic people they're people who live underwater the only way of people communicating with each other now is over the, the Jeffrey tubes, the fringe pass. So, you know, the Tamalern that are still around are say, okay, we're going to let you connect your things together by re reshaping and setting up some, some water support so you guys can travel around and not have to put on spacesuits just so you can go to the next, you know, Commonwealth world that you used to be able to go to like, not, like it was nothing. Thank, thank goodness Muscovy is amphibious. <laughs> might even find places where it's lava and, and the beings are, are high energy lava creatures and it's the same situation they need a much 
different environment for them to be able to survive. You could run into that. Back to our kidnap team. Okay. Just opposite of or besides the plus or negative of a node, if I take the kidnap team to the star platform and this node is something like Star Wars or Star Trek, I again have a million, million possibilities. They have faster than light travel. Yeah. They have Stargate travel. Sure. They don't just have to transit the alternate platform to go somewhere else and make them out of your reach. And that is why it's specific. Stick to the, you know, the hostile force just to follow them. You don't have to engage them, but keep them in sight as best you can and try to figure out where they've delivered your hostages to. I'm just thinking, if you want to make, make their life, make life for the players even more miserable, they don't actually leave through the portal. They pull out their little device they got in this one little world, a version of Earth, that lets them slide to another one. We didn't even touch on that, but but that that would be a really neat twist. You run into this group of people who've been traveling to a lot of the same worlds you've been to, right? But they're not using the French pads. Like, how do we run? How come we didn't run into these guys before? And it, and it turns out, holy, they're using a whole different form of travel. Peter, they all ran to a house, and then the house disappeared. And there's a big divot in the ground. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, there we go. We pulled weird zone into it. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying that your hostile fringe empire, your hostile fringe aware empire doesn't have to originate on an altar prime. It could have originated off of a star platform. Yes, you're right. <laughs> oh, God, I got to say this. You guys have seen Monty Python's Meaning of Life, right? Right. You know the, the little film before that starts with the office wars where the guys take over and they, they, they sail the buildings through. Oh, that yes. They say that they sail the accountancy. I'm picturing like a weird zone version of that, where they've learned how to control where the house, where the, where the zero plots go. And you have a whole fleet of like buildings land on your world. And they start conquering. There's one guy who's riding an outhouse. <laughs> right. <laughs> If you want someone who really is into grabbing other worlds and taking stuff and like that, you know, Ming the Merciless. Yeah. One of those worlds out there is Mongo. Ooh, I like that. Flash? It'd be on a star platform. It'd be Mongo. If you're sticking within the, the canon, it's actually off the system platform. Hey. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything do you have for me today? It's called F, <laughs> my liege. <laughs> I'm still personally thinking that you won't get very far unless you've got yourself some gear to do it. But hey, I'm all for the chutzpah of people going out there and trying to track down their team and fighting the good fight. By the middle campaign, are you really running around in uniforms with Muscovies? Or have you just broken down and everybody is using the fringe trader persona or guys to get around as your ease of introduction. I really expect every single team is going to be something like fringe gypsies with stuff to trade. And that's really your reason for showing up in this town unannounced. My experience with groups over the past 35 years says, no, they all show up in uniform with Moscovies. But I like the way you think, Paul. I do. I really do like the way you think. And Bruce, I think the reason why they do shoot the because that's all they have in the rule book is the Muscovy. So yeah, that's where they're gonna show up in. If they had other things, the, the the other kind of gear and material, yeah, they might show up in that. You guys, listen up. We gave you two hundred episodes of good ideas. Start using them in your fringe path campaign. Early campaign, I expect the Muscovies in uniforms and everybody's armed to shoot rancor and elephants and take on. Imperial AT-ATs. But I think by the middle of the campaign, you're like, geez, every time we step forward through the portal, there's a thousand guns shot off. Why don't we just come through with pots, pans, and shiny things and see if they don't shoot at us first? I really think by the middle campaign, everybody's transitioned to the traitor guys. I would hope so. I mean, I advocated it back when we did the traitor episode, but I was alone in my point of view. No, I'm 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 falling into that point of view now. I think that's the uh, the 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 one shot cropping its ugly head. You have to do the backstory for your competing fringe empire. You've got to say 
whether they're an aggressive culture or a passive one, they are going to force a situation or they're going to be adaptive. So when I run into that competing exploratory team, they're going to either going to be armed to the teeth and they're going to go in and they're going to force their way through the portal. They're going to set up a little fort right at the portal. And then they're from that fort, they're going to aggressively launch their remotely operated vehicles. They're going to sample. They're going to grab locals. They're going to take meaty samples of local fauna and flora and whatnot. Or they're going to dress as, you know, Zen monks. They're going to, or they're going to step through and they're going to use chameleon techniques and be absolutely un, unobserved. You have to decide what is the dominating philosophy of that competing empire. Are they aggressive Caesar's legions or are they a Zen missionary? What drives them? What's the information? I can see this now. You get to this world, you're all dressed in robes. You look like some, like sort of like a Zen monk, and you go through, you see another set of Zen monk, except that they're wearing red checked robes, and you're wearing blue checked robes, and they've got an X on their forehead, and you've got an O on your forehead. <laughs> hey, brother. Uh, Vodka? <laughs> And then you meet the locals and Buddhists who are, who are basically dressed in simple saffron robes going, WTF? WTF? <laughs> Honestly, it's boring for the player characters, but I think by middle campaign, you're going to be launching remotely operated vehicles. You're going to push five, ten drones out, and you're going to set remotely remote sensors. You're going to, they're going to look like boulders or something. You're going to just stand them on the ground and leave them, and you're going to come back for your data every year. Which isn't fun campaigning, but it's like the real world. So you're the exploratory team. You've got to slip on a world. You've got to go find this boulder in a field of boulders and remove the memory card that's going to tell you how long the year was, how many days of sunshine it got. Paul, you, you know you know better than that, Paul. You don't have to, you have to find it. You just send a blip out off your, over, over your radio, radio or wherever you're using for communication. It blips back and go, there it is. <laughs> John? The best bitter not the best technology the lowest bitter well yeah but but paul you already talked about those you know those nice little walkie talkies that frequency jump so much that no one can tell where they are so i'm sure they'd be set up like that too you do that, yeah or or the rocks or the rocks are all made from the exact same mold and you know that rock from because you see it in your hand there's there's on the ground oh, okay yeah I guess what I'm saying is a reconnaissance mission is a really great game for a, a a young team of player characters or a young you know if you got some PCs or I'm gonna say live humans that are playing PCs and they are new to role playing the reconnaissance team is fantastic it's gonna keep them occupied it's gonna keep them entertained and it's great for one shots or something like that we're gonna do one one you know one session or two sessions at a, at a convention. Because it's full of action, and you got something to accomplish. We meeting another fringe-using race is going to be a major milestone in your in your in your uh, campaign. So maybe you're not out in the plus in the pluses near the Coptics. You're out in the minuses. So and you're into someone else. As a human, er as yeah. our Earth analog, you are Doctor Livingston. You're exploring deep dark Africa, and you just ran into the Germans, exactly, or the French. You're competing. You're not exactly hostile to each other, but you are competing, and you've got to demonstrate to the locals who's better. What are you doing here, Dr. Jones? <laughs> yes. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm doing this very well over here. Welcome, my friend. <laughs> Sit, please. We have much to talk about. You choose all of the wrong friends. I guess levels of hostility depends on levels of civility because you could be absolutely hostile to another force and never raise a hand to them. However, you never did make anything easy for them either. Well, yeah, yeah look at um, as far as people hating each other and still being civil. If you've seen the season two opener of Sherlock, where Sherlock and Moriarty, you know they can't stand each other. 
Yet they're there having tea while Moriarty's eating an apple. Yet you yep. know they despise each other. You could be as civil and as cordial as can be, but you know under the surface it is seething and just, it's a powder keg. Civil and polite are not the same thing. Bear in mind, I can be civil to somebody, but I don't have to be polite. My tone of voice can transmit my utter contempt and disrespect. However, I can, I can hold myself to every form of civility. You can tell them to go to hell and make them like the trip, yeah. Think for the case of the listeners who don't have access like I do to the, the French Bible, or they may be new to D20 and they don't have the earlier 90s editions, to really illustrate the difference between Earth Prime and Commonwealth Tech, how vast that gap is. Well, it's, it's pretty vast. You know, in, higher level tech is similar to magic. I mean, it literally is a rainbow. Some of the people in the Commonwealth are people who literally just got brought in the door. They, they you know, they had their own world. They, they had their own technology, and it might have been, it might be more primitive than what's currently on Earth Prime. But they got the requirements, so they came through. They got added to the to the, to the Commonwealth. They're trying to, you know, get up to speed. They're certainly enjoying all the advantages of being in the big system now. But then, then it all comes crashing down. They still have most of their tech because they never got into the new tech that much because they're, they're new. And so they're able to maintain their level of tech where other people have fallen. And they may now be slightly advanced on us a thousand years later. Yeah, I was say the next question is how vast is the difference in tech levels amongst the Commonwealth worlds and then proceeding on to Tamelan worlds? Is it as vast as PL1 to PL5? On a Tamelan world, they can have a knife. That's 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 very low tech, and they can also have a, a living computer. As a baseline for technology in that culture, to be introduced into the Commonwealth, how low tech is a Commonwealth acceptable world versus a high-end Commonwealth acceptable world? We said there has to be a world government. So that assumes a certain level of communication technology. You have to be minimum PL5. Trav, you could have a world government at PL4 with, with Telegraph. The British Empire was connected by the Telegraph. They had undersea cable. Right. I, I, I recline corrected. Okay. So PL4. Okay. I mean, that's fair. And we would consider 1880s, the Telegraph, primitive. Yeah. But is that the minimum entry for the Commonwealth as long as you have 1880s technology but one world government? It's the one world government. They had the ability to destroy the world, and they didn't. And you have to have slavery, but you can get yourself out of it. But I'm just saying that is there can be a vast disparity between what is the least of the Commonwealth and what is the upper end and is challenging the Termellern primers for supremacy. Sure. You're talking, uh, what, five, six, seven technology levels here. You're arguing the point between steam tech and teleportation and supercomputers. Yeah, and you have worlds where you have steam tech, and you also have matter to energy conversion because that's what the big system gives you. Uh, if you are a you get, client status world, and you even what what was it? You could gain client status if you had just one of those three big traits. I think you had to have like two of the three. You get because, world government and that other one that we have forgotten right away. Because Britannia Prime is very short of being a Commonwealth-capable world. All it's got to do is vanquish the rest of Europe, and it can claim one world government status. Let's say you get two out of the three and you gain client status. You still relatively become gods. So, yeah, even client status. If you Let's say you get the PL4, the world government and the one other... You get it at, at high PL4, which would be because PL5 is when atomic energies. Let's take the current plus two prime, Britannica prime. You have Babbage engines, which are a form of pseudo internet. You have worldwide communications first through telegraph cables and ethernet. And telephone. Telephones were invented in the 1890s. Britannia Prime, with only a couple technologies that are going to scoop off Earth Prime, is going to mow down the other European powers, they're going to dictate terms. And 
I don't know if you're a dictatorship. Does that allow you to come into Commonwealth? You are one world government. Dictatorship is not a, a, a condition. However, again, that, that we've talked about where a dictatorship kind of assumes that you have control over your a, a, a total control over your people, which is kind of like slavery. One of the conditions is is that the people have to be able to remove themselves from your government if they don't like it. So there is no one world monarchy that is a commonwealth world. So that knocks out the zeal. Well, no, it can be. They can be. It can be a monarchy as long as everybody likes being under it. Yeah. Well, that that's not the definition of a monarchy. Sorry, but my definition of monarchy is one person in charge. <laughs> one person in charge because they have the divine right of the king, and you can't despise that, or you can you can't dispute that, or you're going to lose your head. Maybe they do have the divine right of the king. Maybe there's a god on that world, and it says this guy, he's the guy. Everyone says okay. And remember, we said with the, with the zeal, there's actually other factions out there who dispute whoever is currently in charge of the portal. I think the one world government is probably going to be more of a, you know, a, it's it's not going to be monolithic. Uh, it's looking really flexible. But that's the whole point. That's the whole point. They don't want somebody where as soon as they give them higher tech because uh, they've come into contact with the the Commonwealth, they suddenly turn around and destroy themselves or each other. I can't remember. Did they have limited limited access to the big system when they're client states? I mean, it's whatever. If they're a client, it means that somebody's got got overlordship on them. So that person decides what they get access to. I'm thinking of uh, what's his what's his name? David Brin in the Uplift Wars. Yes, much like that. I'm sure. But some of those clients were never released from client status. I'm just trying to figure here. Let's say we get somewhere in PL4, we get the world government and the one other, one other thing. You all of a sudden get client status. They, the Commonwealth says, yeah, we're going to bump your tech level. You're going up, yeah, I think Bruce said four or five tech levels. So you're going to PL8 very minimum. Well, no. Okay, do they bump wow. or do primers? They... It, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for that to happen. Well, yeah, yeah. the Commonwealth is going to re has realized in their long and varied history. If you dump ungodly amounts of technology that the people can't understand, it's not going to do them any good. They're going to ease them into it, but when they do. It's going to be a four tech level jump, and that's going to take generations. Exactly. That's going to say that was going to take generations. You're not a generation is twenty five years to simulate that much information rapidly. I'm going to say two generations per tech level, if not four generations per tech level. Probably more. And you have the tr the trap of the of the cargo cult where they have access if if their sponsor is generous and gives them access to the big system. They may have no need to get higher tech level. That's if you're if you're not sharing with your clients the means to manufacture that tech. I could share with you batteries. I could share with you games. I could share with you calculators. But if I deny you batteries and I disappear and I never see you again, all those things die. Yeah, but if you're in the Commonwealth, the idea is that it's gonna it's gonna be around forever. But I'm just saying that I could let's say I I I come across the PL4 technology level group, I could share PL5, I can share PL6, I can share PL7 technology. I just I just withhold the knowledge for them to make make it. I with I withhold the knowledge for them to power it. And if I get bored with them or they don't provide me with what I want, I leave. And when I get done with them, within six months, they're back to PL4 with a bunch of interesting things to set in a museum, which kind of happened to the cargo cults. And they prayed for their gods, their benefactors to come back, and we didn't. I, I wonder how much oversight the Tamillon had on this. They had the Meller. The Meller, that was what the Meller were for. Yes, but you're assuming interest. That's what the Meller were for. You're assuming interest spread across a million, million worlds. Yes. If you were to encounter a Commonwealth exploration team, it'd be a totally different scenario. It would be because they know how to use the tech. 
especially the ones that were really up there. They know how to use the tech. I would expect them to, but I wouldn't expect to meet it. The first thing they do is scan everyone. They're scanning you for, for Millers. And they're doing this on the platform. They're not on you know, the world. They're doing it on the platform. They're scanning you for Millers. Yeah, that's one of those future shows. I was like, where's the Commonwealth tech that operates on the fringe path? Any key gags, they shoot. Or at least they, they'll kill somehow. They, they basically, key gags are killing sight. Because <sighs> key gags caused the problem. If you had any Tamelons in the team, they'd be killed on site too. <laughs> they don't like either one of those, either one of those people anymore. There's some backstory. There's some history of the, the technology levels and the antagonism at the upper end that's missing from your guys' dialogue. I really need to get the D20 version. I think I'm going to order it this week. From five to 20 years is the uh, mid campaign. I was looking at that. And then from 20 to 30 or 40, I can't remember how far I went out, but yeah, it's, it gets deeper. The trouble is after 15, after 20, you know, we still need to get a handle on how long does it take to, to does it take to, you know, a find fringe worthy in the early years. Cause you only have like a handful of crystals at best, which means you actually like the downtime, the six months off. Cause that, cause then you send Sayuri or you send a, uh, Waylay out there with the crystal key hunting down Fringeworthy all, all for the six months. She's going to every city, fire up the key and going around eh, Fringeworthy, Fringeworthy, Fringeworthy. Or in this case, or in this case, Todd's character because he's got so good fighting Fringeworthy. No, he does his off time during the off season. He's out looking for Fringeworthy on Earth Prime, you know. Because <laughs> you need more. But you got to add monetary incentives. So if you send Waylay to the World Cup match, and you're paying a bounty, you're, people are going to show up not for the match. They're going to show up for the, for the chance to be fringe-worthy if there's a million-dollar signing bonus. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. And this is Paul. When you remove the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer your friend. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.